Welcome to On Call with Dr. Dave. Today we're going to be speaking with Dr. Adam, who is an ophthalmologist. Now, Dr. Adam, I invited you on the podcast recently. Are you familiar with the podcast? You know, uh, have you, um, you've, you've talked to several people via this format? Yeah. So, so, far? Yes. so do you, uh, happy stories, sad stories, all Every, sorts of stories? Everything. Like some of the stories, like I've been literally like listening to them and crying. Uh -huh. it's like people dying or just hard moments in the ICU. And then sometimes people are just telling there's one e ER doc that was talking about this guy that came in a clown costume and uh -huh. ended up falling through the ceilings in his clown costume and then falling through the ceiling. And I'm just like dying laughing. <laughs> yeah. ER stories seem like they would be really. Yeah. I need to, I need to interview more ER doctors because it's been, oh my gosh. it's been friends and a lot of my friends are in ophthalmology, oculoplastics, uh -huh. things like that. And then it's uh -huh. friends, friends that have come on that are some of these other specialties, but mm -hmm. yeah, my brother's a PA and he works in the prison. So he had a bunch of, you know, just stuff up the ass stories. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. All day, all day, all just day. pulling things up. Um, get them out of nurses. Now, did you get any of that? Like in, you, you did the prison and right? I did do the prison. And I don't know if it was, I mean, there, the prison seemed like it had a lot of just bizarre pathology because obviously you don't get to go see the ophthalmologist in the prison system across the state until you're at the end of your disease process. You know, like, like there's no, there's no catching it early, no. you know, in the prison system. It's like, you're, you're you're losing the eye from you know the syphilis before you see the first line of defense you know and so i feel like the prison was just it felt like just really bad infections and really bad uveitis that come once the eye is like perforating you know and you probably had the exact same experience or just trauma just the yeah. sock the eye yeah. galloping, the fights just Dude, it's like the wild west there man right it it really was it was wild and and the format of seeing patients was so bizarre you know it's just like you have your little room that you sit in and then and then there's a doorway and then a long hallway of prisoners that just are like yeah. you know just, just waiting to be seen looking at you <laughs> it the was so wild west and the fact that you guys had a clinic that you just ran roughshod into because your second yeah. year residents just like yeah sure treat these people and every time he went to the prison i'm like don't get stabbed with a pen today because yeah. i had this dream or whatever that he'd get that close to a patient and a patient would just have a pen and like stab him in the neck. <laughs> yeah i know right it's it's uh -huh. a scary thought but i think Overall, I think the prison experience was uh, one in in which most of the prisoners were pretty happy that they were getting seen by somebody. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of them, um, a lot of them were really pretty respectful, uh, you know, because you would think you're going in and, and you're dealing with this like crowd because there were like that system that we were in, there were plenty of like murderers and and rapists and and everybody uh in that system and we um I, I felt like i was treated with respect and the nurses and techs that mm -hmm. we worked with were treated with respect and as long as we we gave respect i think that we kind of got it back in that system 
I, I like that experience. I don't know what you thought about yeah. it, Dave. No, I, I enjoyed it as well. And same thing. I never felt really scared or, you know, it was a little weird to go through three doors that I knew I couldn't get out of unless somebody let me out. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But dealing with the patients, I treated them like just any other patient. Just like, hello, Mr. Johnson. And I didn't mm-hmm. see what they were in for. And they were always yeah. they were always pretty respectful. And sometimes you got the sense or you knew that it was different than your regular clinic, just the setup and everything like that. Or one patient was mad that we got rid of the, we went to all plastic glasses and he said, ah, I, I need my old glasses. Like, why do you need your old glasses? Uh-huh. Well, wire and sides, like good for stabbing. <laughs> these glasses are less, these well, glasses are less stabby. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> That's why we went to all plastic to actually make them less <laughs> stabby. <laughs> We're kind of trying to cut down on the stabby. So. Yeah, we found that the old ones were too stabby. And so, <laughs> Our market research shows that. Yeah, but oh you, my god, yeah, I learned a lot there, though. Like you said, you saw some things at end stage, and so you saw things that you wouldn't see anywhere else, and you yeah. learned some of the most difficult cases, and then you can deal mm-hmm. with the ones that aren't so bad. Yeah, uh, it definitely. And I think on a uh, on a social level, it kind of made you a little bit more. I don't know. So like in private practice, every once in a while, a prisoner will come through. If you're like contracted with the prison or whatever, then sometimes they'll bring a person through. And you find that a lot of times the people in the clinic who have not dealt with prisoners or, or people from, you know, whatever, the, the prison system or jail system or penitentiary system will end up getting very excited about mm-hmm. it. And and I feel like after having been exposed to so many prisoners over such a long period of time, like, I don't care who they are. I don't care what they did. I don't care why they're in prison. It's just, they're just like another patient in the clinic. We got to figure it out and then get them going, you know? And it's, um, and, and I think that after you've seen, you know, hundreds of them, then you end up kind of going in with that mindset that it's like literally just another patient, but people who haven't had that exposure get very excited about it. And I think a lot of other um, residencies probably have a lot less of that exposure. Yeah, you know? I, I think the program there was one of only two programs that still had the residents go to the prison system. Really? Yeah. I think that's what somebody told me at one point. I didn't actually verify that. So that may be completely. Hearsay. But I haven't really talked to anybody else that's had that same experience. And so, I haven't uh, either. Yeah. But it, it reminds you of the oath, you know, that you took to help anybody and everybody and not to, you know, care. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, you, you don't. And you get through right. it. Where it's just, and then you have a difficult patient that's, you know, whining in your office. And you're like, look, like, you're fine. Yeah. Like, I've done yeah. it much worse than this. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Go home to your nice house in your nice car. And with your good yeah. vision and your 2020, but you don't like <laughs> your 2020 because it's slightly blurry around the edges. Like you're okay. Yeah, you know, just put some yeah, perspective when you think back about those experiences. <laughs> yeah, you learn so much about. I think especially with like the visual system. Uh, going going to what you're you're mentioning about uh, people with like high expectations and and very uh, who are very sensitive to slight imperfections in their visual system. You realize how different personalities are over time and how one person can be very happy with, you know, no vision uh, and feel that they're doing great and be like, just be bopping around town in their Cadillac. Mm -hmm. And another person is like, you know, has 
perfect uncorrected vision with just the, the such as a small what we would think is a small you know issue like a little bit of glare around the edges or, or whatever um and and you you see how wide the scope of, of <laughs> what makes people happy and unhappy is and and yeah. there's a lot at the extremes and then there most people obviously fall in the middle but yeah it's interesting how that how that works yeah you meet so many interesting people so many i met um a lady in uh in a in a comprehensive practice and uh she is a a gal sweetest lady ever but but some of these personalities are just so like amazing and unique and <laughs> just like wonderful you meet people who are um like national treasures and this <laughs> this this person uh that i met she um such a sweet lady i cannot emphasize how sweet this woman was she was i'm a tall guy and she was taller than me and you oh, yeah and so she was you know probably six foot two six foot three on her she had she had a hairdo a very i mean a beautiful american hairdo it was a it was a mullet right <laughs> a gorgeous gorgeous mullet that went really far down her back and it's like you know more power to her because she was i mean the sweetest woman and she sported this thing with uh, so much pride she was she was there for a, a cataract eval she'd had a traumatic cataract and the cataract uh, she got because she had a rat problem in her house i don't know if it was an infestation but it was a, a rat problem and she she had a traumatic cataract because in her home she was using a a BB gun to shoot the rats in her, in, in her home. That's my first go-to. Yeah, that, so that was her uh, rat extermination uh, technique of choice was BB gun in the home. And so one of the BBs popped off of a wall and, and hit her in the eye. And, you know, a few months later, she got a traumatic cataract. And so I saw her and, you know, we uh, we got we got the whole thing patched up and, and everything was great. She interestingly, she had um she had had LASIK done in the past. Uh and so when you do cataract surgery, you have to do additional calculations to um kind of uh, adjust for the changes that happen with LASIK um on, in the cornea. And the way she had come about getting LASIK, and again, I can't stress how <laughs> much of a treasure this woman was. She was so wonderful and sweet and kind and, and really, I mean, really a, an intelligent gal. She was wonderful. Um, but she had gotten the LASIK. She had won it at a um, she won it at a raffle while she was at Talladega. <laughs> so she, was, she was at Talladega uh, and won a, a LASIK package in a raffle at a NASCAR race, and then uh, and then later, you know, developed a traumatic cataract from a BB gun injury from shooting rats inside of a home. She sounds like a good time. She just oh my like gosh. love to hang out with. Where is she? Can we talk to her? <laughs> yeah, I know. Can you get her? <laughs> you know, because you hear a story like that and you're like, oh, you know, this sounds like a strange person. And, mm -hmm. But she like legitimately was just a wonderful, sweet, <laughs> kind, like really great woman. And, and she she really was intelligent and well-spoken mm -hmm. and all of it. Um, but it just so many like 
just funny, hilarious, wonderful people that you come across. And these stories like give me give me a little bit of joy when I when I talk to them and, and learn these types of things from, from patients. <laughs> but anyways. Yeah. If you like people watching. Yes. Just imagine it's people watching with getting to know the details of their lives. Yes. We have thousands of people in and out of our offices every year that we get to meet for the first time. And they tell us the most intimate details about their lives or just the craziest stories that got them to us. Right. It's it's people watching times 10 sometimes. And sometimes it's crazy. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's sad. But it's always interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely true. Yeah. And you see just such a wide spectrum of, of personalities and people who are, you know, really calm and and you know very very easy to deal with and and then you 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 get to the other end of the spectrum people who are you know mentally not stable and in an in a in an eye clinic a lot of times you don't expect to see that you know you expect to see that a lot of times in a more acute care type of setting an er or a or a you know a psychiatric type of inpatient facility but sometimes in an you know ophthalmology clinic you'll you'll have like you know, people who will surprise you sometimes, uh, you know, someone with a psychiatric illness that may make them more aggressive and, and they become aggressive with you just in the clinic, you know, in in a tiny little exam room. And it's just, it can catch you off guard, you mm-hmm. know, when you're in such a small space that's, you know, an outpatient clinic setting where you're not usually dealing with people who have those types of issues. But you you just like such a wide spectrum of of people, and it's just I think you learn a lot about what types of personalities people have, and I think that in my head, you know, I can be driving down the road and I see someone speeding through like a school zone, you know, flipping people off, and I think in my head that's that's the person that walks into my clinic and all of a sudden becomes you know, has a, an aggressive outburst. Mm-hmm. I, I like am able to say, okay, you know, this is that type of person because mm-hmm. uh, everyone else gets really upset and kind of takes that same energy and mm-hmm. tries to throw it back at that person. And I'm like, this is a person who is unwell, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just based on like experiences with people who are unwell, you can kind of spot unwell in the community pretty easily, I think. You're like, I see you and I know you. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I know this guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I have a guy who's um, who uh, who's deaf, uh, who's completely deaf. He's 75, 80 years old, and, and he's had his entire lifetime. He's got a schizophrenia diagnosis. And so currently medicated, living in a facility you know, a lot of these people you don't expect to live to be 75 and Mm -hmm. and 80 years old. And he has a sister who lives like two hours away from him. So that probably makes her 70 or 80 years old. And she visits him like once every two weeks. She lives two hours away and they're, you know, you're talking about eight decades into this relationship. And she tries to call him every week. The guy is completely deaf almost. He's has no vision in one eye. So he doesn't see any light in one eye and the other eye, he has got like end stage glaucoma. And so 
Um, it's like a 2100 eye, his, his, his one seeing eye, and he's totally deaf. And he's the one I think about when he, he pops up out of the chair the second I walk into the room and gets very like aggressive. And it's just like, uh, it's yeah, it's interesting how different people are in the kind of situations people have to, you know, live in. Uh, and, and I think you really learn a lot about kind of compassion towards mm. these people. And then, you know, this guy has known who takes care of him. And so I, you know, call his sister who, who isn't, doesn't make it to the appointments, but I kind of fill her in on the phone. And, um, and it's just amazing to see like after 80 years, this sister is still helping to take care of this like schizophrenic, deaf, blind brother who like lives in a facility and and is you know state funded and but she like still loves him she still cares about him she feels like she is letting him down by letting him get to this point of blindness and and you know psychiatric sickness and deafness she feels like she should have done a better job of preventing all of this and i'm like you know, I, I've never met, I don't think a 75 year old person with such horrible, you know, disease who still has family that is able to be around frequently. I think you see the parents, once the parents are gone frequently, you see that a lot of the the care drops off at that Mm -hmm. point. And somehow this, you know, family has managed to keep it intact. Really amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. I mean, you just you see the best of humanity sometimes too you see the angry people or the people that are frustrated but then you see the love that a sister has for her brother and yeah it's crazy hours of time and care where something would have checked out that's that's amazing yeah it's pretty uh it's pretty wild that's uh something that recently i was uh thinking about and it's 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 really pretty special i think i think so mm-hmm. Yeah, I took care of a, a guy. He's early, early dementia. Mm-hmm. And then he had, I forget what else, but kind of, you know, little mentally slow. I, I don't know his exact diagnosis, but even before the dementia set in, he had never really had a normal life. And so his sister taking care of him, he was in a facility and he had the eyelid rolling in. So an entropian. So the eyelashes were rubbing his eye all day long. Mm-hmm. And for, for me, it's, you know, it's a 20 minute surgery, but for them, it was just made their life so much better. He was in less pain. Huh? Her life was easier taking care of him. He didn't complain as much. He was happier. And just, it's amazing to see that, that flip so quickly where they were so grateful and he came in in pain. He didn't really understand why he was in pain. He just trusted that I could help him. And he was so sweet as well. He was kind and gentle he wasn't angry ever but he was just kind of confused about everything and then a week after the surgery he was just happy and his sister's giving me hugs and it's just so sweet the same thing she's caretaker for this adult brother of hers yeah and then just to be able to do something for him that just made their lives better and see that love that she had for him and just knowing that his life was better but also her life was better and i just helped both of them with one one quick surgery it's 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 fun i like it yeah that's pretty um it it is wonderful yeah you you kind of uh you know i think that a lot of times we're we're talking about when you're in training a lot of times you're you're just trying to get in and out of a room you know and uh and get on with your day and, and you don't necessarily have as much of a 
connection maybe with patients because you know that long term you won't be around. And and I think as time goes on, you develop more of a uh, like an empathy towards patients and their situations and their social situations. And you, you I at least I personally have gotten to a point where I just feel a lot more connected to the people that I help take care of over over time more so and maybe a part of it's a maturity thing too i think when you're in training probably there's a lot of immaturity still because you know most of us are still young adults Mm -hmm. during that time and and obviously we're kind of working into early middle age now (laughs) and so that i think a lot of those things change over time well and i think it's also just the focus is so intense on learning and having the right and you know you're going to go talk to your attending doctor about that patient and you need to right. know everything that's going on and all the things. So you're looking so carefully at all the layers of the cornea to make sure you don't miss that one thing the attending is going to see that you mm-hmm. didn't see or yes. you know, you're sleep deprived because you're up all night before because you're on call. I just, I don't think I had the bandwidth to care as much as I can now. I just, I was focused on so many things and it's important and you have to learn those things. But now that I've done thousands of surgeries and seen thousands of patients, I'm not worried about what I'm going to miss most of the time. I'm mm-hmm. getting focused on what they're there for, or maybe even the thing that they don't know they're there for. Maybe they're there for something, but they also just need a kind word or a you know something like that. And so my my focus is I have the bandwidth, I guess, now to actually yeah think those things. Yeah, I think that's probably a really good um, yeah really good point. Yeah, there's just yeah it's it's a hectic environment. It's it's a, it's a really hectic, high stress, uh, high paced environment in, in medical training, and yeah. and yeah, I think I think you're probably right. And then you have one of the best stories from residency I've ever heard. Um, wondering if you're willing to share that story with us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, this one is uh, for you. <laughs> You've never heard it firsthand. I'm so excited. This again was a story of um it was a fellow who was i don't know if you remember the backstory behind this guy but he was um a a gentleman he had a mental illness and he had been picked up by EMS or police or or some sort of a first responder because he had been rolling around town on like a, a scooter like an electric scooter. So he um, he was rolling around town uh, and he was completely nude riding around town on his scooter. And so first responders had picked him up. And I think they had noted sometimes with these patients when they're mentally unstable, the first place they go is to the ER, to the hospital to get checked out. And they, I think, noticed that he had both of his eyes were very red and very angry looking. And so he was taken to the affiliated eye clinic at the hospital and 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 it was found that he was had angle closure glaucoma in both eyes what is that can you explain that so basically it is when you have a, a natural drainage structure structures inside of the eye mm-hmm. and they are supposed to be open and sometimes for you know, a thousand different reasons, you can basically close off the internal drainage inside the eye. It can be a pulling force that closes the draining structures, or it can be something behind the iris that pushes the iris forward and and closes the drainage structures. In his case, you know, it may have been, 
who knows, medications or, um, you know, it could have been inflammation or, or, or whatever it was. I don't remember exactly what it was, but frequently you could see it in medications and many of the psychiatric medications can, can do it as well. And so he, um, he came into our clinic and uh, frequently when a person has angle closure, you have to use a laser to make a, a small alternate drainage uh, in the iris of the eye. And so you basically make a small opening in the iris with a laser. And so in order to do that, you have to have a person cooperate. You put them into a microscope and the microscope is attached to a laser. You have to put a lens on their eye and then you use the laser to make this opening. And so this gentleman was uh, admitted in the, in the hospital. And so he was uh, staying in the hospital and he had his hospital gown. And frequently under the hospital gown is what? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing but what Nothing. Yeah. So this, so this gentleman who obviously was having a very difficult, I think probably at least a couple of weeks based on what, what we were seeing, um, came down to the clinic from his hospital bed uh, and he was brought down in a wheelchair and he sat down in my laser and he uh, basically we, began the laser we put the lens onto his eye and um put him in front of the microscope and began the laser and in just after a couple of shots he ended up deciding that he needed to urinate badly enough to where he just stood up and opened his gown and immediately <laughs> And, and he immediately started to urinate onto uh, onto the laser, and so <laughs> I had I had gloves on with this uh, gentleman, and so this is an important part of the story. I had gloves on, and so he begins to urinate onto the laser, and so in my head I'm thinking about options. You know, can I grab something and you know catch the stream in a bucket? Can I you know? move his body position so that there's a trash can behind him or, or, or whatever, you know, the options can be. And none of those options were present uh, <laughs> to me in the immediate. Uh, and so having a glove on, I immediately, you know, I reached out and I basically, I, I stopped the flow. <laughs> I stopped the flow mechanically <laughs> with my fingers by pinching and then and then that gave us enough time to where we were able to get a bucket and then we got a bucket and then he was able to release into the bucket you know the lasers are you know 10 15 20 thousand dollars these these are very expensive pieces of equipment and I can't personally afford one of these things. And so uh and so I will not be paying for this if it is if urine makes it into the crevasses of the laser. <laughs> that was uh, a wild wild experience. Obviously, you know, he's a sick guy though. So he um, you know, I I think that he wasn't completely present throughout the duration of his visit. And so you kind of just have to do what you do. We did get him treated though. <laughs> I remember we did get him treated. I had to have someone, I called some help in uh, to, to assist at some point with him, but uh, we got it treated.
I remember when you first told me that story, you, you used an analogy like pinching a pig in a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how, we, how I described it? I really was trying to give a visual. At that yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's some visuals. And then uh, if I remember right, though, this was, I think this guy came down like two or three other times to like mm-hmm. a laser and he kept peeing in the wheelchair itself. Yes. And then he yeah, kept going yeah. up and the longer this went on also the uns- the more unsafe it was for his eyes pressure right. was so it was like it was risking the laser but also risking blindness this was the third time you tried to laser this guy yeah yeah and yeah in the wheelchair and defecate in the wheelchair once before yeah, was kind of yeah. Like die time and this time exactly. you stood up and you're like we we got to do this and you just that's right <laughs> yes that's right that's what it was yeah we we had tried it multiple times and it was kind of a repeating story that's what it was <laughs> but yeah the, the 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 end of basically the way that situation goes is that it it leads to permanent irreversible blindness and so yeah. you have to do something uh and so you know third or fourth time in you got to do it yeah i can imagine <laughs> just the anxiety yeah. As a as a trainee, yeah, if this yeah. piece of equipment gets, yeah, yeah, I know, right? I mean, <laughs> this is on me. Not, not only are you you're like I'm responsible for the care of this patient. I'm responsible for what happens laser. I'm all responsible. I mean, just all of the things stacked mm-hmm. up. Yeah, and this and the <laughs> fortitude to get the job done. I know we're we're a dedicated bunch. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna save that eye no matter what got in your way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, pretty wild, so... pretty wild. But um, we got it done. Yeah, I'm sure you don't have any other similar stories, but any other stories that come to mind that you thought about after we asked you to come on? You know, I um. I think that, uh, I mean, there's always things that, that yeah. come up. You know, I think our days are full of just like little funny stories, mm-hmm. you know? And so like really big, bizarre stories, like someone trying to urinate on your lasers are really, I feel like, I feel like they should be a rare uh, experience, a rare yeah. encounter. You know, I think that the days are just full of like funny little stories you know, grumpy, grumpy little people coming in and telling you uh, how their last clinic was much nicer than yours and how you must be very poor. (laughs) You know, like, uh, you know, your, your walls and your, and your flooring, you must be very poor to have a place that looks like this. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> probably. Sounds like you were in like the Taj Mahal of Eichmann. <laughs> it is, you know. Um, but just the days are just full of funny little things. Yeah, you're like, sir, Medicare doesn't reimburse what it used to. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, but it's just all all day, just funny little things. You gotta laugh at them. Yeah. I, I think so too. Just if I think back pretty much every single day, there's something amusing or something or just every single day, there's something unique about the day that I'd never seen and something, something that nobody had ever said before. Yeah. 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 For sure. That's definitely true. Um, yeah. There's so many just, just funny uh, experiences with people. Just really, really, um, really funny experiences. And you know, it's been, 
I think, you know, most people are, uh, are really good, you know, mm-hmm. just in general, most people are really good. And, um, even the funny stories, the stories that I like laugh at and even with the fellow with the, you know, the laser, it's, you know, it's a, it's a funny story. You think about the person behind the experience, you know, and you're like, golly, this guy must have been gone through a rough patch. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you hope that, you know, at some point something turned around for this fella, but you know, every we're constantly dealing with, you know, just these are these are people and, and yeah. just the human experience is a very, very like interesting one. Well, one patient or not one patient, everybody's a patient in my mind, but one person that listened to the podcast one time, she she was a little frustrated or upset with us that we could laugh at a patient's situation and she says, Don't you realize these are real people? I'm like Yes, I, I I know these people. They're people that I care for. They're people in my yeah. life. But at some point, we either laugh or we cry. And so, uh-huh. you know, like the things that we have to deal with are difficult sometimes. We have to tell people they're never going to see again. Or some people in other specialties, death and dismemberment, mm-hmm. really dark things. And at the end of the day, like I, I tell I, one story that she like specifically mentioned, I'm like that patient laughed with me. Like I wasn't laughing mm-hmm. at this guy. Like. He had to laugh too once we got through with this situation, but it's not that we are angry or we have dark humor. It's just, it's either laugh or cry. And sometimes we have to laugh and we don't, we know that there's real people on the other side and we love those people, you know, that show up for them. You wanted to save that guy from blindness and you got it done. And maybe that's a weird (laughs) thing, but... (laughs) Right, yeah. Yeah, but the patient got cared for. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. You you were trying to just do the best you could for that guy, and Mm -hmm. this many years later, you're still like hoping he's doing well. Right, like it's still on your mind. It's doing well. So I know you think back on it, and and you really do. Um, You know, with all these people, it is it's it's a bit of a defense mechanism. You know, to be able to kind of laugh about these things that seem like they shouldn't be laughed you know, about, uh, but, but it, yeah, I mean, deep down, I think we all, you know, or most of us care about these people. I would hope so. at least. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why we go into it. And I I don't think there's anything wrong with laughing and enjoying some of these stories and just, and realizing there's a real person, but also it was a really weird situation that you found yourself in and that's okay too. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Uh, yeah, that's definitely, uh, Definitely true. I know you, uh, you probably see just, um, really just amazing, like trauma, uh, issues and, and, and probably, um, tumors and cancers and and things like that. You probably deal a lot more with, with that, which I think is probably, it's different than intraocular stuff. It probably seems like, um, yeah. it's, more, it's just so much bigger, you know? Yeah, it, there's more things involved. There's more right. metastases involved with the orbital stuff. It's mm-hmm. more of the metastasis that I'm finding, and they come in because their eye looks different to them. And then we end up having to tell them that they have metastatic lung cancer and it just mm-hmm. happens over their orbits. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, just the traumas getting called in the hospital in the middle of the night where somebody's life just drastically changed. Right. Life was normal, and now they're. They don't have an eye or bilateral blindness. It's just mm-hmm. instantaneous, and their life is never going to be the same. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you you have a lot more of those conversations that many 
many of us in ophthalmology don't have, you know, because we're in, in ophthalmology a lot of times isolated when it comes to systemic things. I mean, obviously, systemic things come into play mm-hmm. in, in comprehensive ophthalmology or glaucoma as well. But it's um, but it's a little different because we kind of focus more on on, you know, just the eyeball itself where you're kind of, you know, you expand out a little bit more than the rest of us would. And probably have to have conversations that are a little bit different than a lot of other ophthalmologists would have. Well, that's one of the reasons I like the diversity of what I do. It's just an yeah. it's not every day is a tough orbital case. Some days, yeah. laser and Botox day, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm happy people coming in just because they want to come in and they want to spend mm-hmm. the money, not because they have to be there. So yeah, it breaks it up and it makes it fun. It is nice. <laughs> you know, I think for, um, and for me, uh, right. And so, Doing comprehensive ophthalmology is great, but going back and doing glaucoma is um, has been really wonderful because I, I feel like I'm able to deal with a lot of difficult things um, and offer a lot of things for people in my region that they would not have access to. There's just kind of a paucity of care when it comes to that in our uh, region. And so being able to, you know, give an additional like skill set has been really really wonderful um and so i think that that's been really great and obviously that's something that you kind of experience as well by being able to provide you know um really highly specialized you know care to to people with serious issues you know that are going on in addition to the bread and butter things that Mm -hmm. you know kind of can help your uh, have an easier day as well (laughs) (laughs) yeah i used to hate some of the bread and butter stuff because it was so routine and mundane and some days I just need a little routine and Monday yeah. baby, I guess, in my life. Yeah, that that's, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. I don't for sure. Yeah. <laughs> do about do about two of those, two or three like mundane days, and then throw maybe like one Monday. interesting one in yeah. for every like three mundane ones. Exactly, and it's probably like a decent ratio. It's yeah. a good balance. <laughs> yeah, right. Tomorrow we can do crazy tomorrow. Yeah, definitely. Right. Adam, thank you so much for coming on. It was just Thanks, really, fun. really fun to see you. Hi, this is Dr. Dave. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Please rate, review, and share this episode so we can continue to get you more stories in the future.